All right, let's start with a prayer and get rolling. Uh, God, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have this morning to gather together uh, to be inspired by your story through Scripture. We just ask that through, uh, through our conversations today, through our dialoguing, through our uh, prayers and time together, that each one of us would find ourselves closer to you and closer to one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, welcome to Bloom. For uh, a few of you that are new, um, we sent out a postcard earlier this week just letting the surrounding community kind of know that we were here and what we were up to, and so it is super awesome uh, to have you guys out and join us. We're a little bit different um, in how we do church, and you'll kind of notice that as we come together. Uh, we'll kind of talk for, or I'll talk for about 20 minutes here this morning, and then we'll go into discussion for about 20 minutes. We really feel that, that entering into the conversation is the best way to learn, to grow, and I definitely don't have all the answers, and I'm looking for your feedback. Uh, there's no bad questions. There's no wrong way to do it. Um, we'll go from there. We usually have um, some music uh, after that, but some of our musicians are out of town this week, and so we're just going to go from discussion into our prayer circles or announcements and prayer circles. This is how we conclude every gathering. We don't think church is just something you attend, but something you enter into, and so we have circles of eight where we'll share something we're thankful for or any prayers we have in our life. Again, it's you can just be a fly on the wall and watch and listen, or you can participate as much as you want to, but it's such a great way to experience community and get to know the people around you. So as we're talking this morning, um, it's always good to just have these kind of questions rolling around in our head. Um, what, is, what, what are you taking away from this? How is this relating to everyday life? What kind of questions does it bring up? These are just kind of primers to get us ready for dialoguing, having some sort of discussion as we go forward. Um, Amy and I have uh, been married for like 19, well, almost 19 years. January will be 19 years. I'm, I'm pushing the number, so... Uh, you push your anniversary and you drop your age back by one. That's how you just make it seem like, like, yeah, I'm not there yet, am I? Maybe I did turn 37 already. Shoot, all right. Um, yeah, we've been married that long and thankfully surviving and doing well. And, but it's, it's uh, love relationships are interesting. They definitely take, uh, there's ups, there's downs, there's, there's work, there's not work. Uh, today I want to talk about um, uh, different uh, imagery for God. The Bible uses, uh, the scriptures use different um, illustrations, different parables at times, word images, metaphors to help us to try to get our brain wrapped around the creator, the, this, this loving God. And so, and we're going to dive into one today, but it, it, but it has to do with almost this, this love relationship, something a little bit more intimate. And so, We've been married 19 years, and um, through that, I don't know if, if, if any of you, it doesn't have to be a love relationship, have you ever gotten in a fight with a friend or a lover and found out at the end that it was completely based off of, like, misconceptions, like you just didn't understand each other? I swear 99.9% .9 of any tiff, argument, battle that Amy and I enter into together at the end, you're like, oh... Well, I thought you were saying this, that's why I was raging pissed off when you were saying that, which that's kind of sweet, actually. And maybe if I just would have slept more last night or ate enough food or didn't let myself get this stressed out, we wouldn't be having this right now. And 
And then every time you're like, isn't it always funny how every time it's a misconception and you don't remember that until later on and you're like, oh yeah, these usually are misunderstandings. We didn't just understand each other better. And so I think there's a piece of this that we need to take into this God equation. And I think we see it throughout the story of Scripture, this unfolding love story, is people understanding more and they're like, oh, I think I thought you were this way and now you're showing us a little something different. And it keeps this unfolding picture, keeps growing and we learn more and more. And it says today the story still continues even through our own lives or through the spirit that is whispering, calling, pursuing us. The other side of the piece with being married that long is there are definitely seasons in life where it seemed like one of us was doing, um, I don't want to say all the work, but like was supporting the other person's dream at a time. There was a time where uh, Amy wanted to be home with Mia at the beginning when she was first born, and so, yeah, we made sure that that could happen. Or when I had this crazy idea of starting a spiritual community, like, I don't know why she didn't divorce me at that moment, and, but, yeah, we did it, and she was supportive and there, and we went through it, and, like, there's just different things when she went back to school for graphic design, things where you're, you're just, there's so much love, you're like, whatever, this is your dream, let's do it, let's, let's do something about this. And so there's something about this, this love relationship where we're, we would do anything for the other person. And so I want to look at, at, at kind of this story through uh, the lens of, of an Old Testament, two Old Testament passages as we're going into it today. Because sometimes the Old Testament, we're like, oh, God doesn't seem to match up. Where a lot of times he's trying to re-clarify, like, okay, you are acting like I'm this way, but I'm actually going like this. And it starts to reframe the story super cool. Um, so we need a better image of God, or not maybe a better image, but we need to keep expanding our image of God as we learn, as we grow, as we have experiences. In my life, I've found the more clarity I got, the more people I've met, the more stories I've entered into, it's, he's gotten bigger, he's gotten better, he's gotten more loving, more accepting, and I've realized I had him in a box at one point. I'm like, oh, shoot, like I'm putting, putting you in a box, I'm putting you in my own context, I'm not living this out as big as I could, and so we just keep moving forward. But I want to start with one verse that kind of uh, gets us off on the right foot. It's this 1 John 4.10. It says, this is the embodiment of true love, not that we loved God first, but that he loved us and sent his unique son on a special mission to become the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Or Jesus really came in to, uh, the scriptures tell us, to sympathize with us, to go through everything we've gone through and to remove any obstacle that would stand in the way of us having a relationship with him. So he can understand, be like, oh, I get it. When we have the hard day, when we have that fight that didn't make any sense, and we just didn't understand each other, he's like, I understand what's going on right now. I, I sympathize, I get it. I've walked in your shoes. There's something beautiful to me about the divine deciding to walk in our shoes to understand us better, to be able to remove any kind of obstacle that would stand in the way for us having this perfect relationship. But it starts with him loving us first, him pursuing us, this pursuant lover, I'm going to almost phrase this as today, which can kind of seem weird. We definitely, I mean, the Bible uses tons of analogies. God the Father, like he's this father, he's, Jesus is your friend and your buddy at times. We see almost these marriage references where there's intimacy, there's quite a bit of analogy, but each teaches different things. And so the question then to ask ourselves as we're going through this today is, what is this why is the author sharing this? Why, what am I trying to learn from this? What can I get out of like, imaging God in this way uh, as a lover? Because that's what we're going to start seeing. In Isaiah 54 and also in Hosea 2, God pictures himself as this husband um, to 
to his people and the people in this story being Israel, but Israel being his bride, his lover, uh, and there's passion, there's sexual reference, there's imagery that starts to be like, I need you to understand this relationship this way. But it starts to, um, let me read it here, uh, Isaiah 54, 5, he says, for your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name, the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He's called the God of the earth. He starts this language of, of, of husbandry, of, of this partnership, of this relationship, this intimacy. And Hosea 2 is crazy wild. He says, I'll speak to your heart and try to win her back. Uh, Israel has been like all over the place on the map, like uh, doing uh, pagan um, fertility rituals, all kinds of, they're, they're, they're pretty much experimenting with every kind of um, spirituality out there, and we see God's heart longing for this relationship again, and he says, I'll speak right to her heart, and I'll win her back. Not, I've turned my back on you because you went a different way. I'll win you back. I'll turn the valley of ache or the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She'll call me a husband, and I'll and never have to address me again as master, as she did those other gods. I'm going to marry you, and this time it'll be forever in righteousness and justice. Our covenant will reflect a loyal love of great a loyal love and great mercy. Our marriage will be honest and truthful, and you'll understand who I really am, the eternal one. And it's obviously through this 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 we see this pursuant lover that you didn't understand who I really was, and so I'm going to pursue you harder. Not I'm going to write you off, or I'm going to I'm going to pursue you even more. I'm going to show you my tremendous love. I'm going to I'm going to show you why you can think of me as as a lover and not some mystical master up in up in the heavens. God the puppet is sometimes people will get because we have, there's bad imagery. God with the lightning bolts, the old man. God, the puppet master up there, the judge on a seat, just throwing a gavel that no one's good enough. And he's like, no, let me show you who I really am. And he shows us this pursuant lover. Um, there's something amazing about the humanness that starts to, when you start seeing the emotion shown here, from the jealousy to the passion to the just wanting someone to understand you, it really starts, we start to see the incarnateness, that God wanting to understand us better, but also wanting us to understand him, this divine becoming fully human. And there's something about both of them together that we learn and we grow, and there's, there's relationship. I mean, we even see relation, relationship is all about uh, the way that scriptures describe God. We see God the Father, you might want to call him, but we see Jesus, God coming to earth to be fully human and fully God, being called God's Son, and we see the Holy Spirit then when Jesus leaves who is in every single one of us who's wooing us to this day, who's helping us. And we see this divine, like almost dance, this mutual relationship that all of this happens through relationship because scriptures make it seem like they were together at the beginning, this relationship, these people, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, in relationship. And now we've been invited to be a part of this relationship as well. Um, and so... We start seeing the humanness here. We also see the sexual imagery, this pursuant, this, this passion. This, it goes beyond just, I'm a father who loves you. It's this, I want intimacy with you. I want you to know me, and I want to know you. I want there to be passion in our lives. I want you to understand what I'm trying to unfold, whether it be justice or peace 
or compassion, acceptance, love in the world. I want you to see that that's coming from me and want to be a part of that. But I also want to be a part of you. What are your dreams? What are your hopes? What are your plans? I want to know you. I want to be a part of your life. And so we see this relationship unfold a little deeper. Um, But the one thing that's really wild about um, Hosea when he's calling here is that uh, he starts to go into even a little bit more uh, it's saying that she's no model wife. She's unfaithful, hopping around with false gods. But, it, but, it, but we see here the divine God. He shows this passion for his bride that he would not give up on her no matter what. It uses the word infidelity, like you've cheated on our relationship. You've done the one thing that a lot of times religion or America, like if you, you cheated on me, that's it. We're, there's the door. This is it's the one unforgivable sin and we see this example in Hosea where he's like you've cheated on me you've this is adultery but he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna step in and press even more I'm gonna show you my love this this is abandonment when she screwed up it was this this jumping in and wanting more this desire and this longing for this relationship infidelity couldn't touch it it didn't even didn't even uh, cast a shadow over this love. It's that divine. It's that big. It's that amazing. He was hooked on his bride, and he could not have enough of her, and nothing was going to stand in the way. No sin, no betrayal, no walking the other direction was going to stop this lover. We're a church that believes in grace, that everything happens because of what God has done for us, not what we do for him, not our actions, but his actions toward us, and our actions become a response to his tremendous love. That verse we said at first where he loved us first. Anything we're doing is a response to someone who's been loving us, been pursuing us, been doing that. Anything else, we're not quite understanding yet who God is. We're trying to figure it out. We're, uh, we're there. But the scripture says if we boiled out God down to one word, it's love. It's, it's this love. And so we enter into this story. But even here we see the divine and this analogy of a marriage, and there was nothing that could stop this love. Even Old Testament, even Hosea, we see infidelity, that one thing that we're like, oh man, that is unforgivable, I'd be through the door. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we understand God fully, or again, have we put him into just our human understanding of a marriage relationship, where it's, man, if I screw up, God's gone, because there's no way he's going to be there for that. Or do we see him as being like pressing in even more, despite if we screwed up, if we hurt someone, hurt someone he loved, if we walked away, we see this analogy to help us understand God as this pursuant lover. All right. Um, so we're starting to see imagery, parable, metaphor, examples of people's life, uh, of these relationships, this unfolding love story, how people are relating to the divine, relating to God. Um, and now we start seeing it going a little deeper in the New Testament. I want to just... Uh,
Jacob, I'm just going to go shepherd. He's got 99 sheep and one goes lost with them. Or has 100 and one goes lost with them. There was a lady who had 10 silver coins, and each of these coins represents like a full day's wage. So whatever that wage is for you that you make, sweating your butt off, working, doing whatever, whatever your full day wage is, you lost that in your house. She is now searching for it. And the third story is a fatherless two sons, and one son uh, decides to leave with life outside his family. His father is taking him away from him. So we see these three different stories of something lost and coming back. The first story with the 99 sheep, uh, again, we've got to think contextually here. So context, these people understood shepherds because a lot of them were shepherds. They loved their sheep. He's like, wouldn't you, if you lost one sheep, leave the 99 behind and go after that one? He's like, and when you found that one sheep, did you not throw a party? Did you not have your friends come over? You were like, woo, we, like the one, the one of the 99. Think of that in the, there's a hundred sheep, 100%, 1% stray. He's not even willing to let 1% of his constituent lover go without going after him and partying if he can rehash this situation. Not like, oh yeah, there's going to be some that go on the wayside, but tough crap, because that was the bad kid. He annoyed me, he spent my money, he sold my beers from the fridge, like I'm just done with him anyway, like, like maybe he'll learn and fall on his face and then come back to me and apologize and I'll pretend and maybe I'll love him. No. It's, it's, it's this comeback. The story with the, the father with the two sons. The son goes away and spends his entire inheritance. Just lives lavishly with friends. But when his money runs out, the friends are gone and he's left hungry and he decides, he's like, man, even the servants in my father's house are treated better than I am. I'm just going to come back. He's not sorry. He doesn't think he did anything wrong. I'm just going to come back for food and shelter. I know I can be a servant. And it says the father sees him in the distance and runs towards him and embraces him and just throws a party, is just so excited that this one son has returned. He doesn't care the reasons. He doesn't care the amount of forgiveness or, like, looking sad. He is just happy to see his son again. The other one is the, the coins and the lady. The, she doesn't lose it outside her house. It's inside her house. One of these coins is missing, and it says she lights candles, turns everything over. She searches for this coin, and when she finds it again, she throws a party. All three of these, there's a party thrown at the end. There's like this, like, yeah, we're throwing a party because something that was lost was found. Something that was missing, something that wasn't quite right was found again. And this is the story, this is the example he gives. And they're like, who are you loving, Jesus? There are some, there's some mean looking people. You've got Osama bin Laden at the table here. you got, I don't even know any other names. Bad folks. Um... And you're loving on them like they're, like they're your buddies. And he gives this story, illustrating again how unending divine love is. And, and we get this different glimpse. And you'll see people argue of what this looks like. But this story keeps informing. We see more and more of this and more of this in Scripture. God's trying to tell us something. There's absolutely nothing we can do that can stand in the way of his love, of his pursuit of us, of his wanting to make things right, of him pursuing us as love. Not looking for us to be like cowering, but to embrace him. As Hosea says, as a husband, as a lover, as, as there's, there's something intimate that there's this friendship. Jesus says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends, because I'm letting you know everything I'm doing. I'm letting you know my heart, I'm letting you know my passions. I want you to think of yourself as friends of me, not that I'm up here and you're down here. Um, he's in the business of redeeming, not punishing. Redeeming, healing, bringing peace bringing love, bringing joy. We're invited into this process. We're invited to take part in this. 
Um, oh, that's what's going on. Like, how are we picturing God? Because this is we're reframing through scriptures. We're, we're seeing a, a, an Im- image picture here to get us a different, like to help us to understand a different piece of the divine. And so, what's your takeaway from this? What, what does this say to you? Why do we need to talk about this? Why is this illustration given? Why marriage? Why something so intimate? Why does God want us to know that there's love like this that he exercises? That there's nothing, no infidelity, no mistake you could make that could ever... Uh, put an obstacle between him pursuing you? Why does he want us to know this? I guess we've got to ask ourselves, what
of your unending love. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, man, my mouth turned into super glue right there. Whew.